0: When I woke up this morning I was feeling pretty dangerous. Alright, yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Great on paper. Whoopty, hell. Whoopty hell. all right hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. A good team. And you
1: start building that during this time of the year.
0: a lot of somebody, ain't today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you yeah, think you're resume? better
1: than Jarrell Rivas is right now? Is I'm better right than, now. than you. My twenty-four years of life? I'm better at life than you.
0: Come on, I ain't never seen you before, huh?
1: to the coach you need some help. We're going to expose you, boy. All right, we come at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable.
0: Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. Proud members of the full-time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We're just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Rodo from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. And you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. Your one-stop shop for all your fantasy, news, advice, and strategies. We are also excited at the Roundtable to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have baseball stats, football stats, basketball stats, but most importantly, for me at least, college football stats. Some of the stats that are the best in the industry, college football stats are the hardest to find. They have... in. in just beyond amazing stats here guys I, I I can't my mind is so blown I can't even speak right because they're so good uh, but they go into everything it's really a great way to look at college prospects we are getting to that time in the year where if you're out of it you need to start looking at prospects looking at what they've done dominator rating how often they're used on third down red zone how often they get first downs it's just ridiculous how in-depth these stats go just $15 a year to get access to their website, which is not only one of the best deals in the industry, but because they're partnering with us, if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off of that. So the best dealing industry just got better. Again, use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get some of the best stats in the industry. Even if you don't want to use it for college football like I do, you can use it for the NFL, baseball, and basketball. For today's podcast, Matt is here. He's waiting. We're about to get him in here. We're going to talk about the last four games of Week 12, the two afternoon games, the late night Sunday game, and the Monday night football game, and then we will preview all of the games on Thanksgiving. (laughs) And it's a Tuesday episode, so we've got Matthew Fox back with us again to finish breaking down these Week 12 matchups. Matt, how was your, day, or how was your Monday game last night, and how are you doing today?
1: Well, it wasn't much of a game last night. Uh, today true. I'm just happy to be inside and not trying to fly anywhere. We've been uh, having snowpocalypse, and they have something like 500 flights canceled out of Denver today, so it's been, uh, been very exciting. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah, we were just talking off air. My dad had uh sent me a link of some stuff going on there and I, I do not envy you one bit. I would imagine I would be hopefully doing the same thing and sitting inside all day, because it does look pretty miserable there. I'm lucky in where I live that it's uh the bad the worst it's gotten today is like right around sixty-two degrees. So it's not too bad for me. Looking forward to a a nice uh, nice Thanksgiving weekend. We're just a couple days away. I imagine most everybody is off for Thanksgiving yeah. and getting ready to enjoy, as, as I said yesterday, I think it's going to be some craptastic Thanksgiving football. I'm, I'm interested to jump into those games. We'll obviously preview those. Uh, today, me and you, uh, usually obviously we do that, I do that with Dennis, but since those games are happening on Thursday, me and you are going to talk about those. We're going to jump in and do those right after we finish breaking down the remaining four games of Week 12. Prepare for glory! I don't
1: know if you got your pop on ready. Do you got your on ready? I came like out the room wide already. And he's hit the zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honest.
0: Up his head. They can't jump oh, they so we're going to start off and uh, do the two afternoon games that happened on Sunday afternoon. The Jaguars are the first one here, losing to the Tennessee Titans 22-42. On the Jaguars' side, Nick Foles, 32 of 48, 272 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions to come in at QB 15 with 14.9 points. Leonard Fournette continues to be extremely good this year, 97 yards on 24 carries and two touchdowns, added 62 yards on nine catches to come in at running back one on the week with 32.4 points. DD Westbrook, 69 yards on eight catches to come in at wide receiver 25 with 10.9 points, and D.J. chart 38 yards, 5 catches to come in at wide receiver, 34 with 8.3 points. Leonard Fournette continues to be a very good running back. Again, uh, me and Dennis have obviously talked about a couple times, you and me as well. Uh really looks like to be the guy that everybody drafted just a couple years ago at 1-1. The big worry, I think, for this offense is Nick Foles. We've seen a lot of these guys have a really good fantasy value with Gardner Minshew. Obviously, Foles came back just a couple weeks ago, only his second week back since week one. But are you worried at all about Nick Foles and this Jaguars offense moving into the fantasy playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Jaguars offense has become pretty boring. Fournette's doing pretty well. You know, Chark had a nice day uh, last week uh, with Foles, you know, had a pretty huge day. Uh, But, you know, I had thought, I was one of those that thought going back to Nick Foles made sense and the Jags were in prime position with a lot of division games to make a move. And we just haven't seen it come together uh, these last two weeks. I think it's going to be interesting, not just for the rest of this season, but what the Jaguars might do, at you know, moving into next season, because obviously we saw some good things from Gardner Minshew. I thought he looked good at times, especially for a rookie that wasn't uh, as highly touted as some of the ones that came out. Um, and Nick Foles, he's been fine, but he hasn't been anything approaching what they probably thought they were going to get. Yeah. Uh, their offense hasn't been dynamic really in any way, and their defense seems to have just fallen off the map.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see if they give Foles at least the rest of the season. I would. Uh, something that we have uh, talked about and, and something you just mentioned, this is what they brought him in and paid him to do, is be the starting quarterback of this team. Really, this is his third game with this offense, and I don't think anybody expected him to come in and just light it up. It's a completely different offense. I know that he worked with John D. Filippo, obviously, in uh Philly, the year that they won the Super Bowl, or that he came in and replaced uh Carson Wentz after he got hurt and they won the Super Bowl. But different running back, obviously, different wide receivers, just a completely different team. I would think you've got to give Foles at least the rest of this year to see if he can start to gel with these wide receivers and this team in general, I would be really surprised if they just decide to go to Gardner Minshew uh, at some point in time before the year ends. Maybe next year go in and, and allow it to be a QB battle of sorts. Uh, do you Is that what you expect as well, or would you, uh, could you see a switch back to Minshew, especially with them really kind of out of the playoffs now?
1: I don't think they'll switch back to Minshew this season. I, I agree with you. They want to obviously get a look at Foles. Um, it would be interesting to look at the structure of his deal because I know it was a big money contract to come there, but a lot of times those are structured in a way where teams can get out of it. If that's the case, that might be something they look at doing or they might just say, hey, this just wasn't our year from week one. We need to build toward, toward next year. Because the other thing is what does this team do well exactly? I, I mean, I don't think Foles played poorly. And the offense didn't play terrible, but they were—they haven't been dynamic. They haven't put up a ton of points, but then their defense just seems to hit a point in time where they just get destroyed. Uh, yeah. You know That 28 points in the third quarter kind of put it away, and then you switch to a mode where you're just kind of chucking it. I'll be curious to see what they do with the receivers too. Obviously, Chris Conley was a the guy they put money into in free agency. He's finally kind of back healthy. We're seeing him out there getting targets. Shark uh, is obviously developing. Westbrook, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk in the offseason that Foles and Westbrook really had a lot of chemistry. We thought they were going to come together. Westbrook's been banged up a little bit this year, but now here together you're seeing some good things. Nine targets, he got eight of them for 69. So, you know, it's been a great year a resurgence for Fournette. Maybe the Jaguars can do a few things these last five weeks to give them something to build on.
0: Yeah, so asking you shall receive on Nick Foles' contract. I would imagine probably the earliest they can get out is 2021. They do have a potential out that year. It would come in as a uh, just a cap or a dead cap hit of 12 million, which is not that bad, really, for a quarterback. Again, depends on what the rest of your roster kind of looks like at that point. Uh, but obviously, next year it's a 33 million dollar cap hit, so you're you're not getting out from him next year, even if you do do like what I said. Uh, and, and try and make it an open competition. Say Gardner Minshew does beat out Nick Foles. They're not going to get rid of him. They're keeping him as a backup with 33 uh, as a dead cap hit. But then after that, 12.5 and then 6 uh, million in 2022. And then obviously he's a free agent in 2023. So I would think at best he's at least with the team next year in 2020. I just cannot see any team taking a $33 million cap hit. Uh, so we know he'll yeah, at least be there next year. High. Yeah, yeah, that'll be way too high. Uh, On the Titans' side, they're also dealing with a little bit, or not really, it doesn't seem like a QB controversy anymore. Ryan Tannehill has another good game with the Titans. Finishes his QB 2 on the week with 34.4 points in this one. Uh, I I doubt that the Titans stick with him as their franchise quarterback, but he's, I guess, making it a a conversation. Goes 14-18, 259 yards, two touchdowns in the air, adds two rushing touchdowns and 40 yards on the ground. A.J. Brown is the wide receiver of note and the only receiving option that does anything. Four catches, 135 yards, and one touchdown. To come in at wide receiver six with 21.5 points. And Derrick Henry just continues to flip you and me the bird on every single run this season. 159 yards, 19 carries, two touchdowns. Just seems to go off every time he plays the Jacksonville Jaguars. Coming in at RB3 on the week with 29 Points, I mean, me and you have uh, we've we've openly stated Dennis as well. I'm sure we'll talk about this some with Dennis on on the Friday episode that we have just not been believers in Derrick Henry. We have talked about obviously volume is king in fantasy, and he's definitely getting that. So he's probably an RB two all season, but none of us were at high on him talent wise. He has just continued to produce and and has obviously another huge game here. He's going to finish has a chance to actually finish as an RB one this year, which is insane to me. That being said, is he the only player on this offense you can trust uh, moving into the fantasy playoffs?
1: Yeah, you know, and, and Derrick Henry really took it to another level. I don't know if you saw um, he just has that giant arm tattoo now that says suck it, Matt. Right? Uh, I did actually.
0: I was I was worried that they were gonna ask him about it in the in the postgame interviews they did it which is good i feel like that saves our credibility on the podcast for at least one more week until more people catch on to that
1: but back to the real question i think Tannehill actually is somebody in two qb and super flex leagues that i like he is four and one as a starter he has 11 touchdown passes to only i believe two interceptions and three rushing tds in that stretch as much as it's hard for me to believe he seems like he's been not only good for the Titans but is actually starting to be good for as an asset in fantasy. He's not been good in, at creating receiver sure that you can feel good about. Yeah. Um I want to like AJ Brown. I think he is probably the most explosive of that group, but it's still just too hard, you know, five targets isn't a huge volume. He has one for 65 and a touchdown that really gooses his numbers. If you pull that out, he's got three catches for, what, 60, 70 yards. That's okay, not great. Corey Davis, you know, I've hoped he was going to come along a couple of times. He's shown signs at some points, but not stable enough. Adam Humphreys sometimes gets receptions not stable enough. Derek Henry sometimes makes the big catches you're playing him anyway. Tight end doesn't really seem, you know, we had a lot of hopes for Donnie Smith and he's gotten quite a bit of chances to try to audition with uh, Delaney Walker out of the lineup. We just haven't seen anything. Dion Lewis is not really producing anything close to what he was for the Patriots, you know, so you're coming into the fantasy playoffs. Derek Henry's reliable. Ryan Tannehill has shown himself as a player in fantasy to be reliable um, but that's about it, especially when you're in this crucial period and you don't have bye weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely on the Tannehill thing, I am with you. If you're in a super flex league, I would—I uh, actually think he's been really good. Obviously, the production he's given you with his legs and rushing touchdowns is a huge boost at the quarterback position. Derek Henry, I mean, I, there's nothing else to say. The—the the dude has obviously proved me wrong. I, I thought he'd be a back end RB two. He's easily going to be one of the best RB twos, and like I said, he has a chance if he continues playing the way he has to be an RB one this year. It, it's been an insane year. Uh, I, I'm with you as well on AJ Look, Brown. Oh, go ahead.
1: Let me let me ask you this. You know, I know you're probably still pulling for the Browns, and I still think they have yes. a decent chance. But if you were going to take the group of teams that are six and five, basically Tennessee, the Raiders, and the Steelers. Yes. Try, you know, kind of gunning for that last playoff spot. I I actually think Tennessee is probably the best of that group. Surprisingly, I agree. Uh, and they're I probably think- good enough that they're not going to get a real high draft pick. Tannehill is a free agent after this. You know, this was kind of his resurrection spot. Yeah. I would not be surprised to see Tennessee make a move to keep him because he seems to be a fit with this coaching staff and with the style they want to play and with the offense they have.
0: Yeah, I, that that's going to be my biggest thing in the offseason and one thing that obviously we'll have to talk a lot about because I could honestly see that happening. The one thing I can say is with the way the college football season has gone, I would say the past three or four weeks, this quarterback class is not turning out to be what we thought it was going to be. Obviously, the Tua injury is big. Uh, A guy that I've been really big on and Justin Herbert has not played well and has really not helped his draft stock at all the past couple weeks. You have a guy that a lot of NFL teams are very high on and Jake uh, Jake Fromm out of Georgia. There's talks that he's coming back for his senior year now. So you're looking at maybe Joe Burrow being the one and only true quarterback that everybody wants and he's likely going to go to the Bengals at one. So now all of a sudden you're talking about these teams like the Titans who need who possibly would need a quarterback in the draft, not being able well, to and get
1: Well, the him. Dolphins definitely are going to take somebody. Yeah. I mean, they're so high up. My my thought, and kind of that he has. There's been two kind of discussions. Will he go back for one more year at Alabama to try to pull himself up and rehab his draft stock? That wouldn't be a terrible option. Another option might be going to a place – like a New England or a Tennessee, if they have somebody. Although, with the way Tom Brady's played, I don't yeah. know if New England still has somebody after this year. But, you know, if Tennessee signed Ryan Tannehill and was a good fit there, they could be a team that would take somebody, kind of like what the Cowboys did with Jalen Smith a couple of years ago, where you essentially know you're not getting anything that first year, but you believe in the talent and you believe at some point they're going to be able to come in and take a position over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, once the Tua injury happened, uh, there was a lot of talk about him possibly going to the Patriots. and it's like, I don't think he lasts that long. I don't even think if the Titans, uh, to get to your question about them making the playoffs, if they do make the playoffs, or if they don't, they're, they're going to do the same thing they did last year and finish right on the fringe. They'll come down to, like, that Week 17 game, right? So they're still going to be middle of the pack. I really don't think Tua falls that long. Someone will take a shot on him, uh, but... I'm with you. They really do have a shot to make it. Now, the one thing that worries me about the Titans is they are so run heavy, and I think that's just the way that Mike Frable is. Uh, I, I do think he kind of comes from that Bill Belichick. Obviously, comes from that Bill Belichick tree in play defense, run the ball. Colts, Raiders are both winnable games, but then Texans, Saints, Texans. I, I could see them beating the Texans maybe once. I don't think they beat the Saints. And something we played, where we played, we talked about yesterday. Uh, and, and all those NFC teams are probably going to be in it to the last week, so I don't see the Saints sitting any players because they're going to need to win that game. Yeah. Uh, so obviously they have a couple winnable games there, but the Colts is not. You know, the Colts is in a a for sure win for the Titans. I could easily see the Colts winning that game. They're in the playoff hunt as well. They've got a better record right now. Yeah,
1: they're the they're the six and five team. We forgot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean it's it's a they've got a bunch of really tight matchups here moving forward. I mean just they have obviously the uh the next couple weeks projected and and Indy is being given 2.5 right now against the Titans and then it's an even split right now against the Raiders uh, the week after. So Titans definitely yeah, so, control their own destiny, but I I'm worried about them making it. They do have a shot though.
1: I think whichever, so Titans and Colts play this week, which is yes. a, a really big one. I think whoever doesn't win that game probably has killed their yes. their best hope at playoffs. Same way with the Raiders are kind of now in a must-win game in Kansas City, uh, you know, after kind of wasting an opportunity with the Jets. Because I still think Cleveland's got a good chance to come back yes, into that nine. Nine win range. Nine wins probably takes the last spot in the AFC.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. so. You just got
1: three or four more if you have a five or six win team.
0: The the biggest thing I think that hurts the Browns, and this is what I'm honestly afraid is going to happen, is they obviously have a chance to win out, but realistically, you when you look at their schedule, they can lose one game the rest of the way, which is possible. They can easily beat everybody. You, you look at their schedule, and the one game they have left is Baltimore. Can they beat Baltimore again? With Baltimore, the run they've been on, obviously we're going to talk about them today, has just been red hot. It is funny to me that everybody seems to forget the Browns did beat Baltimore. Everybody talks about nobody could stop Lamar Jackson. Well, the Browns actually did stop Lamar Jackson back in Week 4, uh, but they honestly do look like a completely different team right now. What worries Especially me— Especially
1: defensively. Yes. That, I, yeah. I think that Marcus Peters trade— not only tore oh, yeah. up the back end, it, it changed their, their whole sense of confidence, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. But I, can I'm we reflect
1: you. for a minute? Yeah. People were so hype going into this week that it was the first time this deep in the season that all the primetime games featured winning teams. It was going to be all these incredible matchups. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, we had this great late window afternoon game of Cowboys Patriots. And I. I don't want to say they were all duds. Cowboys Patriots was close and was kind of a seesaw battle, but it was a little touch boring to watch. The Thursday night games were always a little hit or miss, but that Sunday night and Monday night game were not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, obviously previewing because we were going to talk about them today. That really... In my opinion neither one of the afternoon games, the Sunday night game, were all horrible. We were hoping the Monday night game last night was going to be good and that And it didn't was turn the worst out. of them all. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. But that also I think in a way speaks to just how good Baltimore is right now and what they did. And how
1: bad the Rams have just yes. unspooled.
0: Uh we will get we'll get to them in a minute just to finish off the last part on the AFC uh, what I was going to say was what worries me is that the Browns and Titans will end up with the same record. And then, of course, because of the beatdown they put on the Browns in Week 1, they would get the tiebreaker no, okay. and get that last spot. So that is the one thing that worries me. I honestly think if the Browns want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win out. I think they have to get to 10-6. and 6. That's the only way I see them getting in because I could see them going 9-7 and 7 with Tennessee. And then again, as I said, Because Tennessee has that tiebreaker, they're not in. And I do think, to me, uh, the best four teams I think that have that shot are are all playing each other this weekend. And as you just said, the Colts and the Titans, I agree. Loser that game kind of hurts themselves in that race. And I think the same thing with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I know a lot of people are riding off Pittsburgh because now they're going to Duck Hodges, uh, which was announced earlier today. But if Pittsburgh wins, they're sitting at 7-5 and and they're in prime spot right there again. To get that second Well, in Pittsburgh, card
1: I, get, I think, actually has the tiebreak right now because in all the projections I've seen, they're, they're sitting at six, so they must own whatever the tiebreak yes. is uh, over they, the uh, six and five teams right now. I think because yes. they beat the Raiders and the Colts.
0: Yes, that would be correct. I don't know because I don't think they've played the Titans, have they? Maybe – or they did play no, the Titans. No, but it
1: must be a combo – I think uh, the in conference, conference record Knights beat the Titans. It's
0: in conference record, that's what it is. For the for the the, the yeah. Colts and Titans, yeah. So yeah, that that's going to be and that's why they are sitting right there and that's so that's why I said it depending on if they beat the Browns this weekend, I think it ends the Browns chances all. Well, I guess I can't say that cuz I said they can allow one more win, but yeah. that is going to hurt them. The Browns have to beat them. I think they need to get that uh two wins against Pittsburgh thing to kind of help their chances cuz then they'll be tied on record but it'll obviously put them up above Pittsburgh, and then it would then come down to whoever wins out of the Titans and Colts is going to move up into that second spot, assuming the Raiders do lose to the Chiefs. So still a lot, of, a lot to play out here, obviously, but that, that is my biggest fear with the Titans, to, to finally wrap that part up that you asked me, is that they'll they'll end up with the same record as the Browns, and, and they will have the tiebreaker. All right, the next game, uh, as we've already mentioned here now, was, was not really that good of a game. The Cowboys 9, Patriots 13. We can uh, save the controversial stuff for the end here. We'll, we'll talk about at, that after we get through through all the game stuff with the tripping uh, calls here that were just ridiculous, and I'm not even a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Uh, but that goes 19-33, 212 yards, one interception, to come in as a QB 25 in this one with 7.9 points. Zeke actually has a fairly decent day. was running really well against the Patriots, comes in at RB9 with 14.6 points. 86 yards on 21 carries, 40 yards on four catches. Uh, Randall Cobb leads the way here at wide receiver. Wide receiver, 30 with 9.6 points. 86 yards on four catches, though 59 of those coming on one big play where he actually fumbled the ball and then caught the ball midair with his other hand, which was pretty interesting to see. Uh, and then Michael Gallup, 55 yards on four catches. Uh, coming in at wide receiver, 37 with 7.5 points. Obviously, on the Cowboys' side here, if we want to go NFL perspective really quick, I was a little surprised they weren't running the ball more with Zeke down toward the end of the game. Uh, Definitely. He was gashing the Patriots for the most part, especially at the end. I can't remember. There was like five or six minutes left in the game. They get down into the red zone for what seemed like the first time in the game. First run of the game, he gets three yards, and then they throw it twice. Uh, I didn't understand that at all. I thought they should have ran the ball more with Zeke. Uh, that's just me. so obviously
1: Kellen Moore, kind of a young offensive coordinator, yes. first year calling plays. Uh, you know, not having Zeke during the off season and the preseason, I think you know he really got into a groove calling passes, and they've had some good success as a passing team. But the difference between a team that's a fine contender and one, or, you know that's a fine team and one that turns into a contender is knowing how to play in different elements. You see. One of the great things about New England has always been their ability to adjust and to lean on the running game when they're playing at home in these November and December crappy games. Dallas has an incredible offensive line. They have one of the best backs in football, and to have only given them 21 carries in that maelstrom and to have thrown it 33 times is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And speaking of throwing the ball too... Amari Cooper. Now, we have talked about this for a couple weeks now in not a, a bash Amari Cooper way, but he had a t- definitely a tougher schedule coming up the next couple weeks. Obviously, not a good game last week. Gets completely shut out in this one again. Stefan Gilmore, one of, you could argue, the best cornerback in the NFL. So maybe not expected zero points out of him, but you did not yeah. expect a big game. The issue with that is he actually has, well, I can't even say three tough matchups out of what we saw out of the Rams last night because that would be the third matchup, but at least two tough matchups coming up this week on Thursday night, which we'll talk about more today, uh, and, and Tredavious White uh, uh, with the Bills, obviously a very good cornerback, and then the Chicago Bears the week after that. So I don't want to dive too much into the Bills part of it because we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to previewing the Cowboys-Bills game, but are you trusting Cooper moving forward the next couple weeks because they do have the Rams that third week. You would imagine OBJ Jalen Ramsey on him. Uh, obviously, you're probably playing him because he has that big playability, but where are you thinking and what are your thoughts on Cooper with the next three weeks, which, are, which could really be elimination games for you in fantasy-wise with the next three games?
1: Yeah, I think he's more of a wide receiver too. They do go back home. Dallas plays better on Thanksgiving Day usually than um, other teams because, you know, it's a big, Kind of tradition and thing the Bears don't really scare me. I know they have a a Decent team and they're good at creating pressure, but they haven't been incredible lockdown in the secondary Uh, That I think is going to be more of a challenge to run on Mm -hmm. and to make sure they're protecting uh, Dak and giving him time to throw than anything else I think part of what plays against him too is Gallup has been so good and Cobb being healthy in the slot Dallas has other options. If you want to take their number one receiver away, they can easily go elsewhere, and I think you saw that with the targets. Cooper only got two targets. Basically, Dak looked at it. It's also a little bit, not only did he have Gilmore, those conditions were not very good. Dallas, as as an offense, did not look very good or very comfortable. I think that changes quite a bit when they go home on Thursday.
0: Yeah, so I'll save the the stat about Cooper and his home and road splits for the preview, but I I honestly think, debating on that, I'm still torn on how how good I feel about Cooper this week, but I do think he is someone you might need to look at, not benching, but definitely lowering expectations on for the next couple weeks. On the Patriots' side here, Tom Brady, QB 21 with 11.3 points. Uh, In this one, obviously... Uh, Neither quarterback did really much of anything you mentioned earlier. They were kind of stuck in a monsoon. Goes just 17 of 37, 190 yards. The one touchdown, which was kind of set up, or not kind of, it was really set up by the Matthew Slater block uh, uh, punt for the Patriots. Sony Michelle, RB23 with 8.5 points in this one. 85 yards on 20 carries. Julian Edelman, 93 yards on 8 catches in this one to come in at wide receiver 18 with 13.3 points. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 31 with 9.4 points, 74 yards on four catches. And then the rookie, Nikhil Harry, gets into the end zone on his one catch, 10-yard touchdown, wide receiver 38 with 7.5 points. So congratulations to him getting his first NFL touchdown, a, a player that a lot of people were very high on uh, coming out of the draft this year. Anyone outside of Edelman, though, that you're trusting moving forward in uh, into Week 13 and the Fantasy Playoffs?
1: Sorry, it was a little slow uh, coming back. I was just finishing putting James White's picture on a milk <laughs> uh, a milk carton to uh, send out to people. Um, the answer is no. Tom, Tom Brady. Uh, the last few years, we've seen him be good and have a lot of fantasy value at the beginning of a season, and really fade down the stretch. He wasn't even producing high fantasy value at the beginning. I think we're starting to see uh, the fading down the stretch. They are all beat up in terms of receivers, too. Sanu, you don't know what's going to happen with him. Dorsett was missing. Obviously, they're just not getting the same production from White that we've seen before. They're not integrating the same. And, you know, I was nice to see them really commit to Sony Michelle. I've said a couple of times the last couple of months that I thought maybe when we got deeper into November and December they would have to lean on the running game more, and that would be a boon to him. He's just not been super productive i you know they lost quite a few offensive linemen off their team in free agency they had more injuries um you know maybe we've underrated that a little bit but it really just kind of seems like for a team that's 10 and 1 that's one of the best in the afc the fact that you can only confidently start one single offensive player and that being edelman is a little alarming
0: yeah uh, man I honestly think that you could be right on that. I mean, you have been been riding the the Sony Michelle horse here at the end, talking about getting him getting more carries and being more used here at the end of the season, where it matters for the Patriots and it getting kind of into that run the ball football weather where it gets winter time in there, and that's what they're doing. And it does look like it's going to happen. I don't know if it was just the game. Obviously, we we've said m- many times that it was a monsoon on Sunday. Or if that's just gonna be what they're doing, it pisses me off that they're finally doing it now. Is as a guy who drafted Sony Michelle, he's given you like two good weeks the entire season, uh, and now in the league that I own him, and I'm not even in the playoffs to enjoy them using him more. Uh, but I'm with you if they show it next week, as in this this coming week, week thirteen again, that that's what they're gonna do with him. I might feel comfortable throwing him in a flex spot in the playoffs, but I'm with you. Edelman is Edelman is really the only guy that you can trust because he's Brady's guy. You know he's gonna get the workload uh, and in ppr especially just with the catches alone he's going to bring back that value for you
1: well i was right about michelle getting the workload but what you can't predict is what he's going to be able to do with it and yeah this is we've seen a few times now in the last month he's gotten a decent amount of carries they've tried to get him involved they've tried to make him a focal point they don't seem to be able to execute anything well so This is probably a case like a few others that we've seen where getting the workload alone isn't enough Mm -hmm. to justify at this point in the season having faith.
0: Well, the one thing I'll say about him, and, and it might be a reason why too, again, I've paid very close attention to the Patriots games because I have Michelle and I was playing him earlier in the season. I haven't played him probably four or five weeks now, outside of, I think, one bye week I needed to use him because of, as you quoted, the bipocalypse, I think, back that, uh, right around that time. Uh, they did get Isaiah Wynn back, and, and he all of a sudden did jump up to 4.3 yards a carry in this game where he was averaging like two yards a carry. Leading up until this week, the Patriots' offensive line has been very beat up, so maybe that's all they needed was to get win back. And and Sony Michelle might be able to produce for you again. The Cowboys' very good run defense; they're not they're not one of the worst. They're actually, I think, top ten in points given up to running backs, so they they do a very good job of stopping the run. So maybe Isaiah Win was, was one of the key factors they needed in getting him back. That As I've said, they have suffered many injuries to that offensive line. So And,
1: I, and they get uh, Texans, Chiefs, Bengals the next three weeks. So those are not terrible no. teams to try to run against. Michelle actually has 600 yards rushing. I was surprised yeah. it's that high this season. So, you know, could potentially be some, some decent matchups.
0: Yeah, I... I those three are all, I think, uh, based on fantasy-wise for running back, all really good matchups. That's why I said for me, I need to see it one more week. I need to see it this week. If they give him another 20 carries, I will trust him in week 14. Then again, that's the week they're going to go to. Uh, James White will be found and returned to the Patriots, and all of a sudden him and Burkhead will be the ones that go off, and you're going to lose your fantasy yeah, matchup because of said that. Burkhead
1: will get 35 carries. Yeah, exactly.
0: Finally. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. So that's why I've learned this year to never draft another Patriots running back ever again. Moving on to the Sunday night football game, if that's what you want to call it a game, I, I would not, but the Packers got destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers, 8-37. Aaron Rodgers in this one, just 20, a 33, 104 yards and one touchdown. It's just insane to me that they threw it 33 times and only was able to get 100 yards. He comes in at quarterback 20 with 11.5 points. Jamal Williams is uh, the best running back on the day, 45 yards. On 11 carries adds just 35 yards on seven catches Again, to come in at uh, running back 16 with 11.5 points Devonte adams continues to be the only other fantasy relevant or the only fantasy relevant wide receiver on this team when he is out there wide receiver 16 with 15.8 points 43 yards one touchdown seven catches uh Interesting to me, obviously, Aaron Jones just 38 yards on 13 carries just does not have a great game here. I think a lot of that comes to the fact that they did target Jamal Williams so much in the passing game, eight targets uh, compared to Aaron Jones, just one. I mean, what is your take of this Packers offense? Are we just thinking bad game against a really good 49ers defense? Or for me, I, I don't think you can sit Aaron Jones, but the only player I really trust every single week moving forward for me is Devontae Adams.
1: Yeah, it's not been a great season for Aaron Rodgers either. A lot of people you know, have considered him a set it and forget it QB1. We haven't really seen that consistently this year. And Aaron Jones has to be one of the most frustrating players to own and start because sometimes he's getting everything funneled his way and he looks incredible. And I watched a lot of the pregame for this because I love watching Football Night in America and seeing all the highlights. They're interviewing him, talking about about how his own team thinks he should be an NFL MVP candidate, and then you see the way he's used in this crucial game. And it's like, wait, what? You know, sometimes he just disappears, and all of a sudden it's yeah. it's like all Jamal Williams, uh, in in the passing game and in the rushing game, and I don't know if it's because they got behind or something was going on or that they didn't like the looks on defense. But that makes it really hard, especially as we're coming into these crucial weeks. You have a guy like Jones, you can't possibly sit him because you've seen him go out there and put up four touchdowns or catch 150 yards worth of passes and a couple of touchdowns. But you also can't feel confident that he's even going to return a 10-point game. He, he, you know, It seems like he's either 40 points or four points and nothing in between.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like you you have to play him. I shouldn't say you have to play him because actually I think Aaron Jones was probably drafted in like the fourth round by most people. But he has obviously that boom potential, so you're probably throwing him in. But at this point, I just – I don't think you can trust him. He's obviously slid off compared to what we saw at the beginning of the season where he was sitting right up there, I think, when we did our – our our regression episode, and we talked about players that we thought might regress. I know Aaron Jones was mine. I want to say that was right around week seven or eight. It would have been right in the middle of the season for yeah. us. So I, I he definitely seems to be sliding back. I would think it has something to do with how quickly they just got down because they've always seemed to use Jamal Williams more in the receiving game than Aaron Jones. Uh, so maybe if if they get up, that'll change, and Aaron Jones will get a bulk, uh, a bulk of the carries. I was trying to pull up there. Well, the here. only
1: nice thing is they're at the Giants, and they're there home for the okay. Redskins. So those are a couple of real softies. They got the Bears, um, not a great matchup. But then Viking at Vikings at Lions to end the season. Okay. Those could very well be, you know, pretty high flying games. So yeah. of the last five, they only have one matchup where you might have a few concerns uh, about Aaron Jones in the running game, which would be Chicago because. Minnesota, while they might be able to blanket Devontae Adams, haven't been great at stopping the run. No, yeah. Uh, You know, they they allowed Damian Williams to carve him up when they played KC. Denver had both their running backs going pretty well in Minnesota last week, so. You know, those, those could be some, some good matchups and probably some important matchups because the big thing with the Packers now, with this loss, they dropped back into a flat footed record tie with the Vikings. Yeah. The only reason that they have the edge now is that head to head win. So I think that's going to be a pretty fierce, that week 16 game might well decide the uh, NFC North.
0: Yeah, which I mean, we already know is going to be the Packers because Kirk Cousins folds in primetime in, in an important game. So I'm just kidding. I love Kirk. I hope. I hope yeah, they'll probably
1: they'll flex it to Sunday Night Football just to ensure that Captain Kirk goes uh, back yeah. to being Ensign Kirk.
0: Yeah, exactly. On the 49ers side here, Jimmy Garoppolo goes 14 of 20, 253 yards and two touchdowns. To come in at QB12 with 18.2 points. Raheem Mostert gets 45 yards and one touchdown on the ground. Adds 22 yards on one catch to come in at RB12 with 13.2 points. Tevin Coleman, RB14 with 11.9 points. In this one, 39 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. Two catches for 10 yards. Debo Samuel continues to rise up their, their fantasy rankings and points uh, here at wide receiver. Wide receiver, 22 with 12 points in this one. One touchdown. One touchdown. 50 yards, two catches, but George Kittle comes back after a couple weeks being out, tight end one, 21.9 points, one touchdown, 129 yards, and six catches, all this on a broken ankle. Just ridiculous how good this guy is. You know, you're playing Kittle every week. I don't really know what you're doing at the running back position. It's one of the teams I avoid because of just the way that they use this rotation. You had Jeff Wilson in there as well. Uh, if you want to touch on what you think to do with the running backs, by all means, that is all yours. What I want to ask about is uh, Debo Samuel really has been really hot here the past couple weeks. As he moved into flex territory, are you willing to throw him in your flex spot with, uh, this would be in week 13 and then moving into the fantasy playoffs.
1: First, I think we should touch on those uh, Dante Pettis stats. Oh, wait, there were none. That's just for all the truthers out there.
0: Is he still in the league? I was uh, I was kind of surprised you even mentioned his name.
1: I know. He, well, he's obviously looking for a slot in the Witness Protection Program since Kendrick Bourne seems to have jumped him on the depth chart. Yeah. But at least that's better than Marquise Goodwin, who's been a healthy scratch all season. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Samuel he has that incredible boom potential. I think if you're in a real deep league and you're looking for like a home run flex, he's a guy I'd look at, but he only had two targets. He got both of them, 50 yards and a touchdown, but only two targets. Their passing offense, aside from George Kittle, is maddening. I mean, they made that trade for Emmanuel Sanders. He has a couple of huge games right off the bat. You think he's going to be a big part of it, and I know he's been banged up, but they said he was healthy and good to go. He caught a fifteen yard pass early in the game and was never targeted again. So it's really hard to to trust I feel more confident in trusting running backs than I do with their receivers right now. And I think you asked what would I do with running backs. I think you figure out which two are gonna probably be the main two, you know, when with Breed out injured this week it seemed like it was going to be Mostert and Coleman. You could play either of them as a flex option, but that's basically all they are because you can't guarantee consistent enough work. But they're they're so productive as a rushing offense and they're so productive as an offense in general yeah. um, that a lot of different people have flex value, but no one aside from Kittle has really top end value at their position.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, and I'm hoping Kittle continues to, to be good the rest of the season. That offense just looks completely different with him out there, not just obviously the passing game and what he can do, uh, but he helps out the run game so much more as well. That They definitely looked better running the ball with him out there, uh, and I hope he continues to ball out because I have him in the some of the few leagues that I was actually able to make it into the playoffs, uh, so I'm hoping that I can ride him moving forward. On to the last game here of Week 12, the Ravens destroying the Los Angeles Rams 45-6. to So, Lamar Jackson continues his MVP candidacy run, uh, and I think honestly kind of easily moved himself into the number one spot of the MVP race right now. 15-20, 169 yards and five touchdowns through the air. Uh, does get 95 yards on the ground to come in at QB1 on the week with 36.3 points. Mark Ingram, RB4 on the week with 24.3 points. 111 yards, one touchdown on 15 carries. Marquise Hollywood Brown has a big game here, 42 yards, 5 catches, and 2 touchdowns. Coming in at wide receiver 9 with 18.7 points. Willie Sneed, wide receiver 17 with 14.4 points, 14 yards, 2 touchdowns, 2 catches. And then Mark Andrews tied in 14 on the week with 5.5 points, 45 yards on 2 catches. I mean, just an absolute Destruction of the Los Angeles Rams here, which in the fairness to them, are they are not necessarily known for their defense, much more for the offense here. Uh, but I don't think any of us were expecting this. With that being said, Hollywood Brown, uh, is he trustworthy now for your playoff run, or is it just Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram? Uh, I want to forget about Mark Andrews. And it,
1: yeah, Mark Andrews. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think our punishment for, for consistently doubting him is that at some point we're going to have to have just like a 45-minute Lamar Jackson appreciation podcast where we all write poems about him, right?
0: No, I'll, I'll be sick that day. I'll let you guys handle that one.
1: Um, I said when I was previewing this game, uh, Marquise Brown is a guy that I would put him in kind of the Devo Samuel category, probably a little bit higher than that because he seems to be the guy if they're going to throw this. This isn't a... Always a high-volume passing offense, and often a lot of that volume runs through tight ends, which makes it a challenge, same as as a little bit as what you have in San Francisco. But Brown is the kind of big boom option as a receiver. Um, I know it's tempting to think Willie Sneed's come back to life, but two catches for 14 yards that happen to both be touchdowns uh, in a blowout game is not moving the needle for me. Brown... We've seen him consistently, you know, he's, he's another one of those guys. He could give you 30 points or he could give you three points. So you have to be prepared to ride the wave. And, you know, I think it depending on where you're at in some of these matchups, you know, if you're in a playoff matchup or you're in a must win matchup and your projections look really bad, that's the kind of guy you throw in and hope that you, you hit the lottery.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm 100 with you on that. I, I don't own him anywhere, so I'm glad that I don't have to make that decision. But obviously, if you've been putting him in your lineup in those weeks, he's come through for you. He he has that big boom bust potential, and he honestly seems to be the guy that outside of Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson is looking for. He has game changing speed. You know, he's right up there with Tyree Kill and what he can do after the after the catch. Uh, and being able to get away from defenders. So I'm with you on that. Uh, for me, I I think going into the playoffs, obviously depending on your lineup, if you're sitting there with like, oh, well, Odell no, hasn't been good this year, Adams, Hopkins, and Godwin, you're not playing Hollywood Brown. But if, if he's sitting right there as your third option and he's with a bunch of guys that are similar, I would probably take Brown over any of the other guys just because of what he can do boom-wise. On the Rams side, there's really not much to talk about here. As, as we said, they've really just got kicked in, or I assume, got hit in the face in this one. Jared Goff, 26 to 37, 212 yards and two interceptions to come in at QB 26 with 6.4 points. Todd Gurley, running back 46 with 3.4 points, just 22 yards on six carries, uh, negative three yards on three catches in the receiving game. Robert Woods uh, comes through for you if you played him for the most part. Comes in at wide receiver 19 with 12.7 points, 97 yards on six catches. Cooper Cup, 35 yards on six catches, to come in at wide receiver 45 with 6.5 points. And Gerald Everett, that guy that a lot of people were touting as a top 12 uh, tight end, just 23 yards, two catches, tight end 18 on the week with 3.3 points. We are really here. We're knocking on the door of the fantasy playoffs. How worried are you about this Rams offense and these players that a lot of people drafted very high because they thought that they were going to continue to be the Rams offense that we've seen the past two
1: years? Yeah, so they're at the Cardinals, home for the Seahawks, at the Cowboys, at the 49ers the next four weeks. That is not a – optimal schedule for a team that seems to be unspooling the rams have scored 24 12 17 and six points the last four games against against nfl powerhouses such as the cincinnati Bengals, the pittsburgh steelers the chicago bears and the ravens i'm fading them all for the playoffs this is there is something fundamentally wrong With the Rams offense. I know they've had some offensive line issues. It seemed like they maybe figured something out against Chicago and at least got Todd Gurley going. He looked awful again yesterday. Six carries, 22 yards, uh, has not been consistently a part of the passing game. You know, they had all three receivers back yesterday and still didn't make that much of a difference. You know, Woods, six for 97, is fine flex or low-end RB2 um, cooks if you played him and I hope you enjoyed your five points yeah. uh, cop gets you eight points there, there's nothing reliable about this offense anymore
0: yeah and it, it sucks I mean I, I there's there's really nothing else that you can say I'm with you they're, they're just not reliable whether it's the offensive line I mean Jared Goff almost looks like uh you know Chair, Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff, like it, it's pre yeah. pre Sean McVay. This this whole team just not does not look good. Well, Sean
1: McVay looks lost too. Yeah, I mean we aren't seeing them make any adjustments offensively or defensively. I'm somebody that has really uh, been a fan of Wade Phillips and what he did. Uh, think about the defense that he gave Denver those last few Peyton Manning yeah. years that really helped propel them to Super Bowl. They've made personnel changes. They've spent a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about a defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey that looks like it fundamentally doesn't exist.
0: Well, the one thing I'll say about them is they just don't, I don't think have a lot of help around them. I don't think outside of those two, any of those other defensive players are that good, and they've really hurt themselves too in a lot of the trades that they've made because they've given away so yeah. much draft capital over the next couple of years. They're really going to have to hit well, on their late-round picks to, to kind of improve this team.
1: Well, and with the way that they've spent money and really spent huge amounts of money to lock up uh, people at the top, they've become the NFL version of that stars and scrubs mentality and it yeah. served them well last year uh, and, and the year before where they really rode the wave and got in there. But, you know, Seattle has consistently been good. San Francisco has been building for a while. I actually think the Cardinals have not had great luck, but they've been growing into it. I think they. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals stick it to the Rams this week. And we could potentially be seeing a situation based on the last five weeks of the season where the script flips and the Rams finish last in their division.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, the one thing I can say on this is I, I got this right when we did our division preview stuff. I said the Rams were not going to make the playoffs. I had uh, both Seattle and San Francisco in. Now I had. I still have a chance to be right on this. I, or no, I did have San Francisco winning the division, so I, I thought Seattle would sneak in as a wild card because they just somehow, some way, always seemed to be good enough to get in under Pete Carroll. Those were the two teams that I believed in. I thought this was finally going to be the year. Now, I did not think it was going to be the offense. I honestly thought it would be the defense that caused the Rams to lose a lot of games, but it is this offense. And you mentioned that Sean McVay looks lost. Yeah, well, yeah, you could say it's both. But, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that their defense has not – I'm not trying to say anything bad about Wade Phillips because I do think he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. But I think what he's been able to do with the defense the past couple years, uh, was more not allow teams to go crazy. Obviously, like the Baltimore Ravens did, they would limit teams to like 17 to 20 points. And because that offense was just so good, you know, they were consistently putting up 30 plus. Well, all of a sudden that gets into the. Now, the teams have to throw to get back in the game, right? And then that, I think, it was what allowed Wade Phillips to be as good as he was because all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm going to let Aaron Donald go and I'm going to let Nick, Nick and Sue last year just go get after the quarterback and trust my secondary, which wasn't bad with the guys of Akeem Tleib and Marcus Peters the last two years. Uh, the, You know, give so them enough time. They have time,
1: only had four games where they allowed a team to score 27 or more points this season.
0: This season? Okay, but yeah, the offense they, hasn't kept up. They won
1: thirty to twenty-seven against the Panthers week one, and that was one of their high water marks. They lost that fifty-five to forty siege to the Bucks. They right. lost thirty to twenty-nine to Seattle, and they gave up forty-five against the Ravens. But several of these losses and even these wins have been very, very close. The offense has not been consistent, in my opinion. Yeah all season you know that that 49ers game they only let 49ers who have a pretty explosive team score 20 points and i think if i recall seven of those came on defense but they only put up seven points they weren't able to do anything the Bengals, they held them to 10 points they held the falcons to 10 points falcons they they actually had a decent offensive performance with bangles 24 to 10 they lose 17 to 12 to the steelers they only gave up 17 to the steelers and if i recall some of those were defensive points too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, their defense is, hasn't been great, and obviously they've had a couple of epic collapses. Last last night, they looked like they didn't exist. But their offense is doing them no favors either. Yeah. And sometimes, if you leave your defense hung out to dry for that long, you know, some terrible things happen.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not blaming the defense for the issues this year. It's definitely the offense. What I thought coming into the year was that it would be the defense that caused them to miss out. It has not been that. It is It is clearly the offense. Like I said, I would not uh – I would put this on the defense at all. I felt like the reason the defense was so good the past couple of years was because of how good the offense was as well. When, like I said, you're putting up 30, 45 points every game, uh, like they were kind of doing those first two years. It allows the defense to kind of pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. And you can make some, you can, you can make Uh, I would say ballsier or bolder calls on the defense, more blitzes because, you know, okay, even if I let them score a touchdown here, Jared Goff and the offense are going to drive right down the field and take the lead again. Where this year, Wade Phillips and that defense can't do that. They have to try and almost keep the team to like only scoring a touchdown because of how bad the offense has been. So, I'm with you. I think going in they' I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So you likely are now coming no, down I to, think out. yeah, you, you're coming into the, now you're going into with the off-season. Minnesota
1: being eight and three and Seattle being nine and two in the same division. I, I think the Rams are too far back. Yeah. Oh yeah. If, I they were in the, if they were in the NFC East, they might still win the division. But. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that part is unfortunate, but you have to have a division like that in in uh in every uh, or in both conferences, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I think they're gonna it's gonna come a, a big reflection point this off season. They're gonna really have to look themselves in the mirror and figure out what they're gonna do. Because as I said, they've given up a lot of players too, and they have or and draft picks. They have no draft capital, so it'll be interesting. They've signed a lot of big players. I think Cook, uh, Jared Goff, obviously Gurley, Aaron Donald, and they're likely gonna have to sign Jalen Ramsey soon. So. A lot of money is going to be tied up in just a handful of players, so it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. That is the last game for Week 12. Now we're going to jump in and do uh, the three games that we will see here on Thanksgiving night to kick off Week 13.
1: We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that. You don't want-
0: I guess I shouldn't have said Thanksgiving night because technically the uh, both two of the games are early morning and afternoon. But the first game on the day is the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Chicago is getting three points in this one uh, and being given Oof. the 49.9% chance to win this game with Detroit getting the 49.8%. So it's pretty much just a pick them at this point. We don't know if Matt Stafford is going to play yet. Correct. I, I haven't seen anything on if he's had been ruled out.
1: Right okay, yeah,
0: I hadn't seen if he had been ruled out yet, but I would assume it's so, going to be Driscoll.
1: Stout Stafford is doubtful. Yeah. Um, which, considering we're late on a Tuesday and this is a Thursday morning game, um, it's probably Driscoll. What I would be concerned about is Driscoll now also questionable with a hamstring injury, was yeah. a limited participant. Uh, at the walkthrough. So he's probably your guy. Um, Hawkinson questionable too with a shoulder injury. Uh, not that that really matters. but Right. So now you're looking at not only having Driscoll, but having a, what, 60% of Driscoll against Chicago. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and if he ends up not playing, you're going with, with David Blau. So I'm not really that sold on that. The Bears' defense, uh, so we always talk about— Is it when,
1: too late to sign Colin Kaepernick for one week?
0: It probably is, yes. I would think so. I know that they did apparently try and sign Josh Johnson. I don't know if you heard about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the XFL yeah, blocked him.
0: Yeah, and the XFL blocked him. Yeah, I, I saw they Josh were talking Johnson about that. Josh feels
1: about that. Well, hey, you, you could be in the NFL. You might be starting Thanksgiving Day. Oh, wait, just kidding. You'll be, uh, you'll be in the Pro Wrestling Football League.
0: It's interesting because I get their point behind it. So there was a big discussion about this morning because when it happened, a lot of people were like, oh, well, that's so messed up because for those of you who remember the AAF, you could go right to an NFL team from the AAF. They're like, if the NFL wants to sign you, good for you, go. Go be in the NFL. That's obviously the big brother of all the leagues. That's where everybody wants to be. With the XFL, the reason they didn't do it is because they said that every team had a list of quarterbacks that they wanted. I think it was like three quarterbacks uh, and they got to pick which one they wanted. And I can't remember what team. I know he plays for the Los Angeles team. I can't remember what they're called. The Wildcats, I think, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, that was who they wanted. And so they blocked him from going, even though he would be done with the NFL season because the, the XFL kicks off the week after the Super Bowl. I highly doubt the Lions were making it to the Super Bowl. They're not even going to make the playoffs. But their whole point was they didn't want anything bad to happen to Josh Johnson because they are paying him one of the higher salaries in the XFL, and that was one of the quarterbacks that that team wanted. So I kind of get it. They did say that this won't happen in the future, but because this is the inaugural league year here and everything, and they were trying to have everything set up for every team to create parity, I, I kind of get it. I'm not going to hate too much on the XFL for doing it, but it was obviously a weird story. You, you were not expecting to see that happen uh, for Josh Johnson. Again, I think he He's making $500,000 to play in the XFL, so I don't think he really has much to complain about. I'd take $500,000 any day of the week, so I think he'll be fine in the long run. Uh, But going back to it, so obviously we do our preview shows. uh, We always talk about points against. So the Bears points against the running backs, 17th in the league, 31st against the wide receivers. So they are not allowing anything for wide receivers, which I think hurts this team even more. You just talked about Jeff Driscoll being hurt and there possibly being a chance that David Blau plays. So let's go with the running back first here, though. Uh, Middle-of-the-road matchup here for running backs. Are you trust in Bo Scarbo, Scarborough in a Week 13 matchup against the Bears?
1: Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: I, I was wanting to see if you were going to go a different way, but I'm with you. I I honestly don't think you can trust anybody in this matchup. The, the big question, then, is going to go to Galladay and Jones because – you likely don't have many wide receivers better than Galladay, so you're likely plugging him in your lineup, but what are you expecting? I think out of those two, you probably can expect more out of Galladay, but I don't think you can expect more than a wide receiver three day out of him going up against a really good secondary.
1: Yeah, that was that was going to be my, my call. Is he's probably a wide receiver three. It really... Yeah, yeah you can't sit him, but It's not a good matchup. Yeah, A lot of quarterback questions. The only thing that gives me a modicum of hope, and I actually still think if you have Marvin Jones, depending on your options, you're probably playing him because, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, he's been double-digit targets with uh, Driscoll. Had 12 last week. Really getting hammered um, with targets, really becoming kind of a focal point. I don't know if it's the routes he's running or the the comfortability that Driscoll has, whatever reason he seems to be locking in on him, which I think gives him a chance to have somewhat steady floor. It kind of depends on your options though. Um, But what I was going to say, the one thing that gives me hope is Detroit has in the years past, even when they've had middling teams as they kind of do, uh, now or even poor teams has seemed to find a spark at home on Thanksgiving Day. Um, you know, I know for Detroit and Dallas, no matter how they've been uh, throughout the rest of the year, it's a point of pride for them to represent their city and the National Football League as the home teams on Thanksgiving Day. So, plus a division matchup, one they're likely to get up for. I think Detroit loses this game. My only hope is that you know we get a game that's in the teens or low 20s and not like a
0: 10 to 6 game. Yeah, I am I'm with you on that. I, I would I'm I'm torn on the Marvin Jones thing. You're probably right. You don't have many other players better than him to play and he has been hot. Uh, but I would try and avoid him. Again, you never know. He, he obviously had a couple good games here with Jeff Driscoll. Galladay really has just kind of been boosted by the touchdown, uh, that he caught from Jeff Driscoll a couple weeks ago. I would just take him, as I said, based on, based on his ability, but I do not feel very good about playing either one of them against the very good Bra- uh, Browns, my goodness. I wish the Browns defense was as good as the Bears. Against this very good Bears defense on the Bears side here. So the Lions, uh, it's a plus plus matchup all around the board here giving up the second most points to the running backs and 12th most to the wide receivers. So they are beatable in the running game and through the air. That being said, you mentioned it, I believe yesterday when we were talking about it, that David Montgomery obviously has a good matchup here. I said that I've moved him to my bench. Are you trusting him this week against the lions?
1: You know, I think it, it depends on your options, probably. Uh, my guess is if you had David Montgomery somewhere, you've been rolling this season having found a different RB2 because you haven't really felt comfortable playing him. I don't think it's a terrible matchup. We've seen teams be able to run uh, and have success against the, the Lions, you know. And so while Alan Robinson's the guy I'm playing, um, Taylor Gabriel looks like he's possibly going to be out with a concussion. Um, Adam Shaheen is also questionable, so they're missing some other pieces in the, the passing game. Um, that makes me think, you know, maybe they can run more. Uh, and if Montgomery can get it off and could be a way to control, I think this is going to be kind of... So, depending on the options you had, especially in deeper leagues, he might be a guy I'm considering playing.
0: Who is who is the player you consider playing you cut out right as you said the name? Montgomery. Montgomery, gotcha. Okay, yeah, you said you were you were, you were talking and then it cut out for one second and we missed the name there, so Montgomery, gotcha. I'm with you. Uh, I talked about it a while back when he – I can't remember who it was. They were playing. They had a plus-plus a matchup, and I said, Fireman. there. He's going to have a breakout week that week, and he did – I'm playing him this week. I own him in a couple leagues. I'm firing him in as my running back, too. I think he's going to have a good game here against the Detroit Lions. The Bears are not technically out of the playoff race, even though they kind of are, but they're still going to keep playing like they're in it. I think that they're going to try and play good defense, run the ball here to get past Detroit, and I'm with you. You mentioned Allen Robinson, a solid play this week. I agree with you. Even even in bad matchups, he has proven to be uh, the one player on the Bears you can play every single week. I think he has a good game game here as well. Who are you picking to win this one, the Detroit Lions or the Chicago Bears?
1: Picking the Bears.
0: As am I. Next up, we've got the afternoon game, which is between the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo coming into Dallas here, as uh, every visiting team does here on Thanksgiving. Dallas is being given 6.5 points and the 78% chance to win this, which is A little bit surprising to me because I think this game could be a lot closer than that is predicting the Bills a good team. And the Cowboys have actually yet to beat a winning team this year. On the Bills side here, I'm sorry, on the Cowboys side here, the Bills 14th most points against the running backs, 30th most against the wide receivers. So they are just like the Bears. They are beatable on the ground, but they have a phenomenal secondary. So I imagine Zeke is in for another good game this week. He's going to be the guy we play. But what about Amari Cooper? We talked a little bit about him earlier, kind of lowering expectations on him. So I said I was going to bring up a stat here uh, that might help you want to play him. Amari Cooper splits home and road. At home, he is averaging 27.3 points a game in five games and on the road 8.4 points in six games. So even though Tredavious White, phenomenal cover corner, one of the best in the league's the stats show, and the, now you mentioned earlier the Cowboys always play better at home. So does Amari Cooper. So with that being said, are you thinking he's going to have a really good game here? Or you still think, based on how good Tredavious White has been, because we can also be honest, they have not played a defense like this at home all year, that Amari Cooper is still in for, I don't want to say a bad game, but not a wide receiver one game.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm rolling into this game counting on him being a wide receiver one, but uh, low-end wide receiver two. I also think Michael Gallup could have some wide receiver three appeal. Um, you know, He's very talented, and they're not going to be able to lock them both down. I actually uh, think Dallas will do fairly well. The real question that you always have with Zeke, even after last week, is how much are they going to commit to the run? It seems like their philosophy has shifted a ton. Um, This year, and I think it's a good matchup for him. They probably should feed him and get him going, but it seems like they're really in love with trying to sling the ball.
0: Yeah, uh, as, a, as someone who owns Zeke in quite a couple leagues, I, I hate that that, uh, that is their method this year, but I do agree with you. I still think Zeke is good to go. Um, I'd actually say that I think Gallup has a chance to have a really good week this week. I don't think that the corners on the other side of tredavius White are that good. I think White is, for the most part, going to lock down Cooper. I don't expect him to get shut out. Uh, like he did last week. I still think he probably gets you close to double-digit points, I think, just based on catches and yards. I don't think he scores. If he scores, he's going to come through for you. Uh, but I think Cooper has a decent day here. I think Gallup could actually have a big game. Not, uh, I want to say big game. I'm not saying 100 yards and, like, two touchdowns. But I could see Gallup being the best wide receiver out of these two because I think he gets the better matchup. On the Bills side here, the Cowboys, very good defense. 19th... uh Points against running backs, twenty-eighth against the wide receivers. So they they, much like the Bills, are beatable on the ground somewhat, uh, definitely not through the air. We trust in Singletary this week. I mean, again, nineteenth, you're almost in the you're lower than the back half. You're almost in the top ten of defenses against the run here. Singletary obviously had a good week last week, his first game over a hundred yards, but this is a much different Dallas defense, and that's with not not even knowing if Leighton Vander Rush is going to be in there. I don't believe he's supposed to play, but if he does, yeah, that just he's makes questionable. It, yeah, that that makes that defense even better. So, what are your thoughts about Singletary going into a tough matchup here on Thursday night?
1: I'm still playing Josh Allen. I'm still playing Singletary. They faced a tough uh, rushing front and tough secondary last week, and were able to. Move the ball and do pretty well. I think Singletary's coming on. I think their line's coming on, and I think that they they want to move the ball that way. I wouldn't consider playing somebody like Frank Gore, even though he's getting carries, because I just think the the explosion plays aren't there. But I like what Singletary's doing. Maybe play him more of a flex territory. Um, but I like him. I of the receivers, I would probably consider playing Brown. Um, it's tempting. To wonder about Cole Beasley because right. of the revenge factor, but I don't feel like his he's gotten cons- consistent enough production throughout the year to feel good in a week like this about relying on that.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Brown, even though he is likely going to have the tougher matchup, and I, why his name just jumped out of my head, I cannot. I know. Xavier Woods, I do think that Woods is going to end up being on him. But we've seen that John Brown just, they always seem to get that one connection deep. And if it's deep enough or if he's able to score that touchdown, John Brown immediately comes through for it. Is it Byron Jones? Byron Jones, not not Xavier Woods, Byron Jones. Uh, So he's going to get matched up with Byron Jones again. We've kind of been on a talk today of all these top cornerbacks because they've been playing on the teams we've been talking about. Byron Jones is right up there with them. Uh, and I do think he'll likely be on John Brown for the most part, but he is the wide receiver. I agree that I would play. I'm not, I just don't believe in Cole Beasley, whether he's getting, you know, their slot cornerback, uh, or if Chidobe Awuzie, who I think was really good coming out of Colorado, I think he's been good for them this year. Whether he matches up with Beasley, if they end up with a linebacker on him, Jalen Smith can run with Cole Beasley. I have no doubt about that. And if Rush is out there, same thing. We've seen Vanderrush shut down guys like Alvin Kamara. So I, I have no doubt that those guys, guys are going to be able to kind of limit what Cole Beasley does because I also think they don't want Cole Beasley to beat him I I know it's a revenge game for him but he also chose to leave them and go to the Buffalo Bills so I imagine they don't want Cole Beasley to beat him either Uh, so I do think it's a John Brown game I'm with you on Singletary I, I don't think he has a huge game but I do think he's good enough to be a flex player Josh Allen because he's probably going to get you a rushing touchdown is going to be good to go here who are you picking to win this game the Cowboys or the Bills
1: I'm picking Dallas.
0: Ooh, I'm actually going to take the Bills. I think it's going to continue a huge slide for the Cowboys here the next couple weeks. Last game, the Thursday night game, we've had a couple good ones over the past few years. I don't think that that happens this one, though it could be kind of a fantasy bonanza for us here. And the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. The Saints are getting seven points and are being given the 55% chance to win this game. On the Saints side, the Falcons, 10th most points against the running, or for the running back, 10th most against the wide receiver. So they are giving up buku points in both parts of the game. Great matchup for the Saints. I think it's easy to fire up Kamara Thomas and even Cook this week. Do you have any faith in firing up Latavius Murray or possibly even Ted Ginn?
1: Yeah, I don't think you can count on um, them getting a consistent enough share, especially in a week like this with no buys and a lot of pressure and it being a short week Thursday night game. You have to remember, I'm, I'm still a little leery of this because in New Orleans, uh, the Falcons came in and really shut the Saints down a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they had two incredible defensive weeks in a row before kind of falling apart yesterday when they went back home or Sunday when they went back home. So a little bit of a, a little bit of trepidation. Michael Thomas did well in that game anyway. Um, So I, you know, I would just stick with the big three for the saints.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I would not play Murray again, but I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. That is true. They did get shut down by Atlanta here just a couple weeks ago. I, I don't think it'll go that way, but I could be wrong. On Atlanta's side here, the Saints uh, obviously have been phenomenal against the run, just twenty ninth. Uh, Against the running back, but not against the wide receivers, so they can be beat on the back end. Marcus Lattimore, we don't know if he is going to play yet in this one, uh, which obviously would be limited
1: practice today.
0: Yeah, so if he goes, that's huge for the secondary, because I do think why you don't, I don't think you can stop Julio Jones. I think that will limit him, because Marcus Lattimore, again, is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. That being said, let's just assume Lattimore is going to be out. Uh, For this first part, uh, Julio and Ridley, are, I think, are the only two options for me that I'm willing to play. Do you agree with that?
1: Well, now I have some concerns because uh, Austin Hooper did not practice today. Neither did Julio Jones. He was a non-participant on Tuesday due to a shoulder injury. Um, So, you know, Ridley would probably get an uptick. It looks like Devonta Freeman is tracking to play. Um, we've seen him, unlike the running backs who've spelled him, have much more of a role in the passing game um, when he's out there and available. If Julio Jones can't go, even if you know, Julio did not practice, Marshawn Lattimore did practice, so if we were going off that it looks like Lattimore is a better bet to play. Um, you know, with no if there is no Julio Jones, Ridley getting that matchup kind of would make me a little bit nervous especially with no hooper or anybody else really in the passing game to kind of draw uh, focus or attention so i think that's really something that bears watching julio jones plays i think you're playing him Austin hooper if he plays i would probably want to play him because he's had such great touchdown chemistry with uh, matt ryan um Freeman's definitely a consideration. Ridley could be a consideration as well, but I think really going to have to watch uh, for this game a lot of the practice reports tomorrow and going into the day on Thursday. I know a lot of people probably were hoping to set their lineups for Thanksgiving Day on on Wednesday morning so they didn't have to think about it, but uh, I would monitor Julio Jones' status.
0: Yeah, that is something we're definitely, have. I guess the good thing for that is that they play late Thursday night, so chances are you, you'll have a chance to know earlier in the day and you can move him out. Obviously we've got all the games Sunday, so, and the Monday night game, so you can plan accordingly for that, uh, which is definitely something to watch. What about this running attack? I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about it the other day. I would imagine uh, your thoughts haven't changed on it. Mine haven't. You can't trust anybody. Whether it's Devonta Freeman coming back, Brian Hill, you're not playing anybody there. It's just these receiving options in this one.
1: I would consider playing Freeman because he's had the passing numbers to um, to kind of help put him into flex range. None of his, none of the people behind him, they they're not doing. A lot on the ground, so it's not uh, so if you're relying solely on rushing, which is kind of what we're getting for a Quadriolsson or a Brian Hill, um, you're just hoping they fall into the end zone. That you know I don't have a good feeling about uh, Devonta Freeman though. We've seen him, especially the last few games he played before he went out, he'd have five, six, eight catches uh, in a PPR league. You know that can help put you into flex or low end wide uh, running back two range.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I I don't know if I'd have the the balls to do it, but uh, not a bad call at all. Uh, You could be completely right on that. Who are you picking to win this one, the Atlanta Falcons or the New Orleans Saints?
1: I'm picking the Saints.
0: As am I. All right. So that will do it for today's podcast. I appreciate you joining me. Breaking down the rest of these games and previewing the Thanksgiving games, I will be back on Friday to preview the rest of Week 13. Matt, have yourself a happy Thanksgiving, and I will talk to you again next week.
1: Yep, sounds good. Let's hope the only turkey we get on Thursday is the one served to us on a plate.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that's not going to happen, though.
1: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this state. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me,
0: Golly. Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I
1: can. Who can make a play? I can. Please. I can. Please. Please.